to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. Hi, I'm Shah. I'm Ali. And we are Creeping It in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. Episode 22. 23. Is it actually? Yeah. You're always one behind. 23. 23. Episode 23. I can't believe I didn't make Taylor Swift quip either from 22. I'm, I'm actually I'm disappointed. I'm glad that you didn't. I'm disappointed in myself. So, take it, take it away. Take it away. So, this week is my midweekly episode, and I have decided to do something more on the paranormal spectrum of things so the topic this week is going to be on 30 east drive in pontefract right so if you're from the uk you are way more likely to know why this place is my topic of choice but even then it's not massively well-known location for those of you who have no idea where i'm going uh 30 east drive is one of the most prolific haunted houses in england on the outside, it looks like a typical council house on a regular street in a regular town. However, once you're inside, an overwhelming sense of dread and terror takes over you, alongside the feeling that you are always being watched. I went here, so this this is going to be quite a nice experience. Well, it wasn't actually, it was quite terrifying, but we'll go with it. So there's hundreds of well-documented reports about hauntings and paranormal events taking place in the house, but I want to firstly revisit the history of 30 Years Drive. Now, it's not... It's not concrete history, so there's going to be a lot of speculation or it's been said or there have been reports or it's unconfirmed because there's there's no concrete proof, but this is what a lot of people have said. So paranormal investigator Tom McCuniff has explained that the uh, where the house is situated is a place where historic civil battles took place. With this in mind, we can attribute the residual energy and hauntings to the many deaths that would have taken place there. So before the house was a house, it was just a bare battleground. And so there were a lot of deaths there, maybe a lot of negative spirits coming up to sort of not haunt as much as, you know, I suppose confusion when you're young and you die in war. And yeah. It, it's not a nice death, is it? So the property being built on top of civil war grounds is one thing, but history from the 15th century only built upon the suffering, misery and pain. At some point in the 1400s, a monk was hanged for the rape and murder of a young girl. It's specified that the gallows that the monk had been hanged at were in the direct vicinity of the house, making it a prime spot for the monk to haunt those who dared to go inside. This claim has been heavily disputed many, many times, and there's no concrete evidence to suggest this at all. However, detailed accounts of apparitions from the Pritchard family, now the Pritchard family I'll get onto in a minute, but they were the first family to move into the house. Right. Uh, their family and their friends, as well as thousands of people who visited the house, have given the description of a dark hooded figure. This seems to correlate with Cuniff's research. The description support his argument that the malevolent entity in 30 East Drive was the spirit of the hanged monk. It's rumoured that there was a large well that the house was built over and the monk's corpse was thrown in there and that's where it stayed ever since. Right. So there's been there's adaptations of this tale. This is the truest one I could find, but there's a lot of stories also that go into detail about it wasn't just one woman, that so it wasn't just one girl that he killed. So not only did he kill them, but he just like cut out the tongues as well, so they weren't they wouldn't scream. And then a rumor had it he threw them down the well. So there are adaptations of it, but that's the one that sort of everybody seems to agree on. And there's also something added in about it was the brother brother that was blamed 
for the hanging. So the the brother who was also a monk, he got hung for his brother's crimes, right. and so that's why his spirits like seeking revenge. Right. But there's different. So it wasn't actually different. him who got hanged. That's what. That yeah, it wasn't saying. actually right. him that got hanged. But then some people say there was no brother. It was him that got hanged. Right. And he's a nasty piece of work. So that's why. The 1960s were when this case became the focus of paranormal investigation. In August 1966, 30 East Drive became the home of husband and wife Joe and Jean Pritchard. They had two children, Philip, who was 15, and Diane, who was 12, and they moved with them, obviously. Almost as soon as they moved in, strange things became apparent. On a bank holiday, Joe and Jean had gone away for a few days, and this is when Philip and his grandma became witness to what, one of what turned out to be many paranormal experiences. They stood and watched a fine layer of chalk like dust falling. I know what you're about to say. It could be the house settling. The new owners could have disturbed something and the ceiling was getting used to take the weight. However, the layer of chalk like dust didn't come from the ceiling. It came from head height. Philip's grandma had called his auntie so that she could observe the chalk dust. And when the auntie had gone to get the cleaning implements, she slipped on a pool of water that had mysteriously appeared. Her efforts to mop up the water were thwarted by more pools appearing on the linoleum in front of her and Philip's eyes. So this layer of dust, like it wasn't coming from here, it was coming from your head. Yeah, I got what you're saying. So it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't coming from the ceiling at all. It wasn't just pools of water and dust layers falling. Over the years, there were many encounters and phenomenon that took place. For instance, green foam appearing from taps and toilets, even after the water was turned off. The tea dispenser being activated resulted in all the dry tea cascading onto the work surface. Lights being turned off and on, plants leaping out of their pots and landing on the stairs, cupboards shaking violently, photographs being slashed with a sharp knife, and an endless list of levitating and thrown objects, including a solid oak sideboard. Right. Now, this is really difficult for me because I know for a fact that you're sceptical. Yeah. Now, I know that you don't... It's not that you don't believe, it's just that you have to see it to believe yeah. it. So I know that a lot of people are the exact same on this podcast. And I can almost feel, even though it's not been sent yet, the eye rolls coming through like, yeah, of course it was. No, because essentially, it's not you trying to convince me, it's you telling... Like, I have also been on one of these... Uh, yeah. Ghost hunt sounds... They sound really cringy because it sounds like you're actively... Investigation. It, paranormal investigation. Yeah, it's an experience. You, you go in somewhere that's said to be... Like, it's never... They never say this place is haunted. It's always said to be haunted, yeah. which is how it should be. But you're yeah. only you're only relaying a story back to me. Yeah, and it's just very odd things for it to happen. Like you know, you could have fair enough, like the lights flickering on and off, and photographs being slashed with a sharp knife. But things like you know, green foam appearing from taps and top. It's just a very odd thing. Yeah. To say, but anyway. The Pritchard family didn't exactly fear this entity towards the beginning. In fact, the entity was first dubbed as Mr. Nobody by the local press, but the family quite fondly referred to him as Fred. So they, they named him, which is like an Annabelle not to do because once they gave the entity a name and like invited it in, it got to stay. Yeah. No number of persuasive techniques could get the entity to leave the family alone, and Jean Pritchard was equally as stubborn. She refused to be terrorised out of her own house. So no matter what happened, it was like, no... This is my home. Yeah. I'm not the one who's leaving. There were exorcisms that took place but had little effect. Walls would seep with holy water. Faces were slapped. People were shoved down the stairs. And Fred's hands would appear from nowhere and conduct the Christian songs aimed at shooing him off whilst wearing huge women's fur gloves. In fact, many of Fred's antics were both amazing and often highly amusing. Like when he calmly poured an entire jug of milk he removed from the fridge over a sceptical aunt leaving the kids in stitches. 
Right. Sounds like a Casper situation. It does. It sounds like it uh, right now is sort of falling into the typical poltergeist yeah. activity. It's quite mischievous. It's not. But this leads me on to sort of my next point. So the definition of poltergeist is not usually one to cause grievous bodily harm. It's to move objects and show it's show it's there without yeah. hurting anybody. And although Fred caused a few bruises and scrapes and a lot of heart stopping scares, in particular to Diane, the youngest. Um, she was seemingly the focus of the haunting and it's rare for a poltergeist to become excessively violent and cause physical harm but in the case of Fred that did become the case so late on in his residency when both Philip and Diane were maturing into young adults activity reached a new climactic height with Diane's long hair suddenly standing on its end followed by her being dragged kicking and screaming up the stairs an event that left her seriously traumatised and with clearly visible finger marks on her throat mm. Maybe it was because he didn't want them to grow up or something. I, I yeah. Know. I mean, yeah, if we're following on the thing of belief of hauntings, it's the idea of... Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to view it this as, like, it's all bullshit. Yeah. I'm going to view it as, oh, if, if what they're saying genuinely did happen, then this is possibly the reason why. Like mm. Maybe, maybe it was, he didn't want them to see him grow up. Maybe because we're becoming young adults to started. Like, uh, I don't know, getting boyfriends or girlfriends. Do you know what I mean? He might have taken yeah. them in as his own and the fact that they wanted to grow up and venture out into the world, he, he didn't want that to happen. Yeah, and, you know, if you go in with the... this is a monk that they're yeah. saying it's isn't it? And, I mean, if you go in with the, like, theory of this black monk of Pontefract being the murderer and it was the girls that he killed, yeah. like, by Diane growing older, it could maybe have been something to do with that. Yeah, I don't know. Could, could be a lot of things, but... Is this monk? Is this monk? I know you said it's all like nothing's concrete, but did this monk genuinely happen? Like, was that actually? A, like, yeah, is, I mean, is that, would from that what, be in police records? Like, this happened from what I've. Well, it was the fifteen hundreds. No, it was the fourteen hundreds. It was the fifteenth century, so fourteen hundreds. Oh, right. So police records weren't really a thing. Yeah. But it was about the monastery, and it was the Chiriac monks, I believe, monastery, and it's quite well documented that that did happen. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so we're going to look at when the Pritchards moved out. So the house lay dormant for many years. It was only when a producer set his sights on telling the story of 30 East Drive did he decide to buy the house that was for sale at a very reasonable price. Because nobody wanted to live yeah, there, obviously. So the film is called When the Lights Went Out, and it is excellent. I would highly recommend it. It's a cracking film. And... In fact, the premiere of the film had a couple of people entering a competition and the winners got to walk down the red carpet leading to the house and actually got to watch the film in the house. Okay, so yeah. what they would filmed... Would you like to do that, do you think? I don't think you would. I'd go, but I've been there before. I mean, if, like, say if it was a different case, like... you, you Like wouldn't... if I was watching The Conjuring 2 at the Enfield house. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd do it. I don't know. I think I'd do it, just for the experience. I mean, it's pretty spooky. I mean, imagine sitting there in the house where it was filmed yeah, knowing all this sort of awful. stuff happened. I'd do it, 100%, yeah. but it'd be awful. It would, but just to say you'd done it, it, add, really. It'd add to the scare, I suppose. True. So you'd think this money spinner would be something heavily advertised. So this guy, this producer that now owns the house, you know, he's completely the opposite. He's quite clearly said that he would never sleep over in the house. He's too scared of the entity that haunts it. But he does offer it as a BNB for keen ghost hunters and tour groups. So he does let it out to people, but is like, it's not like, come visit my haunted yeah. home. And the thing is as well, the uh, he had to close down one of the rooms because they, it got trashed by the poltergeist. 
Like, there were these people going to come in and when they went upstairs, they were like, we can't sleep here. The place had been absolutely ransacked. Mm-hmm. I know, crazy. So we're bringing it around to 2015 now. The famous paranormal and complete and utter piss-taking programme called Most Haunted because they did their Halloween live at 30 East Drive for their Halloween special. I think I remember watching that. Fucking hilarious. It was so funny. <laughs> Most haunted are frauds, like they. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that the problem is they very much follow the ghost adventure sort of thing. Like, you know what? Probably in their time filming, they might have caught some stuff that actually can't be explained. Yeah. But they've just ruined it by hamming up. It's a boy who cried wolf, isn't it? Yeah, and you it, can't believe a word they say. Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird one because I do like watching it. I know it's not real. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I still well, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I used to love watching it. But I never believed anything that happened was legitimate. Yeah, and it's like at last night I ended up watching Ghost Adventures for a bit, and that's got that's like the American version yeah. of. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. It, I know that most of it's not real, but it was really scary watching it in the yeah. dark, you know, in the evening. Well, it's got it's... like a found footage kind of feel to it, hasn't it? Essentially, that's what it is. It's they're, they're got... it's a difficult one because they've, they've got to sell something, and if nothing happens for, like, ten episodes, the ratings may go down or something, so they have to start fabricating, uh, like, noises or... And, and you, everything's edited there, it's... You, like you say, you, you can't. It's entertaining, but you you don't believe what's happening. Yeah, definitely. Which is a bit shit because if you're going to fabricate something, just go full out and make it a lot more scary than what it is. But yeah. maybe that's a selling point because I'd imagine some people will still be on like a knife edge or maybe it is real. But uh, whereas if they got and I can't remember the main actor what she's called. Uh, actor, Yvette Fielding. Yvette, if they get slapped, she around makes the, me piss. She gets slapped around the face <laughs> and claw marks. So like they're gonna. You, then you're gonna know it's too far. She is proper funny though, but they did, they did sort of get there. They they did get to the piss taking part at Thirty East Drive. So, at this point, I remember I was, um, I was watching it with and live chatting with my friends Liv and Jay, and the program was hilarious because it was freaky and fun to watch in the dark, but. You had Paul O'Grady shouting, touch me in the coal hole then. And it just sort of ruined the <laughs> it ambience. Takes a sting out of it, doesn't it? it well, <laughs> but it was, it was just so funny. The lockdown, uh, sorry, the lowdown of the whole thing was a very visible knife was thrown by one of the cast. One of the cast was fell through a door and then was dragged up the stairs. And, you know, whilst it was hilarious, it gave me and Liv sort of an interest in it. Yeah. And we thought, you know, why not? So we decided that we were going to... Uh, Go and visit it ourselves, which right. brings me on to my own personal take of the podcast. Right. So, Liv, my mum, and myself decided to go and visit the house with a ghost hunting group called Haunted Happenings. I'm not going to lie, I was really sceptical because what I'd seen on Most Haunted was really fake. So, I wasn't under any impression that there was a knife going to be lodged through my skull or anything like that. But the actual night itself was it was really eerie, it was sinister, and it was exciting from start to finish. Like, I really enjoyed it. Right. So we got to East uh, 30 East Drive for around 9 or 10 o'clock and it just looks like a normal street. It's crazy. It looks like one of it looks like our road. Right. It it's mad. But as soon as you start walking up the path, there's this overwhelming sense of dread that runs through you. And I had read up about the house beforehand, so I knew some sort of stuff. So I suppose you could put that down to why I felt so uneasy about going in there. Yeah. But you know, it, it does create a sense of dread, definitely. 
We were greeted by a really friendly, lovely woman called Hazel, who was our host, and she kept me from completely freaking out that night. Big up, Hazel. She was cool. There were all these professionals there, so <laughs> I remember me, Liv, and Mum parking up, and we parked up on the opposite side of the street and we crossed the street and this other car pulled up. It looked like the mystery machine. I shit you not. Right. And they opened the door and like there were all these, there was all this gear. So they were like pulling out EVPs and footage and stuff like that. And I was looking around thinking, what the fuck? Cause we were just standing there in puffer coats. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it with nothing but a phone torch to keep us safe. It was funny. Um, the first thing we did was head upstairs. So it's important to mention that there were, no Ouija boards allowed on the premises, which was good because I would never go on one. But they, the awesome. when when it's been done before, I, I couldn't. So when it's been done before, and Ouija boards have been brought into the place, like some pretty nasty stuff happened. And so I remember looking at. I don't whether it was the kitchen door or the front door, but it does say no Ouija boards allowed. Mm. Like it's very specifically mentioned. There were cameras set up everywhere to detect any orbs or movement. There's also a famous grandfather clock that is featured at the top of the stairs at 30 East Drive and it's notorious for being flung down the stairs. It never happened in Most Haunted, so Carl had to put his head through a door instead. But like, there's been several accounts of the grandfather clock falling down the stairs. Right. Going up those stairs definitely made me feel a little bit sick. It felt really creepy and it really set me on edge. So we all got a picture in the room together before settling down to do the first seance in the first bedroom. So how I remember it, it was a while ago so i think it must have been it was either 2015 or early 2016 so we're talking a good five years ago now but if you as soon as you go up the stairs the bathroom's in front of you like ours is if you go left the first bedroom is in there i think that's philip's bedroom the second bedroom next to it was gene and joe Pritch. gene and john gene and joe pritchard's and then the one at the back was diane's so that was sort of the layout of it, I think. Nothing much actually happened when we were all in a massive group. And I do think that vouches for the credibility of the group. You'd have thought, if they were going to fake something... Yeah, it's the, same have, it's the same on the one. On yeah, the one I went on. they'd have faked a little bit of interest to be like, oh, look what could happen. It's yeah, going to be a so you get, like, spooky a good night. Left or yeah, but there was, like, it was nothing in that first bit. It, and Hazel was just like, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a busy night, sometimes yeah. it's not. It just depends what it is. And I did like that. Afterwards, we were sent off into individual groups. So although there must have been about 14 or 15 of us, me, mum and Liv formed our own group. And the first place we went to on our own was the second bedroom. So that would have been John and Jean's, I believe. Joe and Jean's. How many was in a group? 15? Yeah. And what what bedroom house was it? Three bedroom. But you've got to remember there were things downstairs to look at as well. Hmm. So there was, there was the kitchen, the coal room, the living room, the hallway three bedrooms the bathroom so there was quite yeah. a few rooms to it um so we went into the second bedroom first it had a big double bed and me and mum sat on that whilst Liv sat on a chair towards the opposite side in the center of us was a fold-out table a glass with a glowing ball and it looked like a bouncy ball and it was underneath the glass there was a two pence piece on one side of the table and nothing on the other Hazel gave us instructions that we placed a finger lightly on the glass and asked yes or no questions. At the end of the question, we had to say if the answer is yes, push towards the coin, and if it's no, push away from the coin. So the first few questions we asked, we didn't get much, but then when Liv asked if anyone was there again, the glass pushed towards yes. I'm pretty sure Hazel said that the glowing ball was there to attract spirits, especially children. 
because the light encouraged them to yeah. sort of come out. We started asking the spirit questions like, did you live here and have you been here a long time? Just trying to edge around any sensitive matters because you're not really supposed to ask a ghost why they died or if they died or when they died and blah, blah, blah. However, Liv decided to go straight in there with, did you die in the house? And it pushed towards no. Liv, who also knew the history, asked, are you the little girl that was murdered by the monk? It pushed towards yes, and I freaked the fuck out. Like, I don't care whether it was power of suggestion, whether it was or wasn't, it freaked me out. Yeah. Uh, mum did too, mum shat herself. So the spirit seemed to stop communicating for a while after that, it didn't move again. And I then asked, is someone stopping you from talking? And it pushed towards yes. And so we all freaked out again. So live with all the subtlety of the brick asked can you tell me where you are in the room can you show can you show us where you are in the room can you show us anything and the glass was still for a moment but then it started shifting next to mum and mum wasn't near the glass like the either the penny or the opposite side of it she was sort of in the middle right. and it just kept pushing towards her after that no matter what question we asked it started shifting to one side of the table that wasn't the coin or the opposite side and going near the wardrobe Liv asked me to have a look and i did and inside was a small porcelain doll i didn't want to touch it but let me get it out and put it on the bed right. so i was sitting there with this porcelain doll behind me and i was just like oh fuck <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't going well but nothing ever happened with that doll after that we this is where it started shit started to go down and it started like elevating the all the paranormal activity that happened hazel was waiting as we all gathered downstairs there were five or six of us around a fold-up table she had some old coins but i'm really sorry hazel if you're listening i forgot what they were for we were doing table tipping so she placed a small torch that was slightly unscrewed so that any pressure on the torch would light it up and we all had to place our hands on the table, but our thumbs had to be visible at all times so we weren't accused of tipping it. So we sort of had to do it so like our fingers were on top of the table, but we had to put our thumbs out like that. And whilst that seems okay, after a while it fucking hurts. Yeah. She, you know what? And to be fair to the group, like to be fair to Hazel, she held up the bot, she held up the table, she showed us it underneath. She was yeah. like, look, we're on an even surface. The table's not got rickety. It's, it's just a table. She was like, you know, you can check for any gadgets underneath it, whatever you yeah. like, but there's nothing on this table. And there wasn't. So we were sort of sitting there and just sort of wondering what was going to happen. And she started to ask questions and she managed to get hold of the entity, Fred. And I can't remember what question was asked, but Hazel asked if there was anyone Fred would like to speak to. And the table jerked towards me and the torch began to flash. And I was absolutely fucking terrified because it was sort of like we'd had like little movements of the table. But when she was like, is there anybody you want to speak to in particular? It pushed. Yeah. And I was like, shit. I started asking questions, which was difficult because my mind was pretty blank. But whenever anybody else asked a question, it was not responding or it was barely responding. Yeah. So Liv, you know, my friend, ladies and gentlemen, been friends since I was 13, 14 um she she decided to try and taunt it to get a reaction you know that thing provoking that you're never supposed to do but she did anyway and she was saying things like oh i know why you want to talk to her she's the youngest here what do you want to do to her cut her tongue out as well then mum went on molly weasley and was like not my daughter you won't hurt her it was like there was an exorcism going on in the middle of this room so i bet hazel and all the other people on there were thinking jesus christ look at these absolute rookies and i was just sitting there it's in myself but you know they were very encouraging they were really nice people so <laughs> we stopped for a break after that hazel got me a drink of juice because i was shaking i remember feeling absolutely freezing cold so it, it was it was winter it was like february time when we went i think it was february time 
it was after mum's birthday definitely because it was her birthday present but anyway we I was wearing this big thick parka coat and I was I was absolutely freezing apart from my wrists it was really odd it was like there was like a section of my wrist just where the cuff is and it was burning hot and Hazel sort of grabbed my wrist and felt it and she was like yeah it's like you've got two different temperatures it's really odd she asked me if I wanted to go in the coal hole which was a really small cupboard and I was like nope even though Liv was like yeah go on do it Liv went in instead but she didn't feel anything However, as I sat in the old chair to have a sip of my juice, Hazel recorded an orb flying right through me. She asked me to hold out my hand as she looked at the camera and recorded it. I said if there was someone there, touch my hand, and an orb went straight through it. And she played it back, and it literally, as soon as I held my hand out, the orb went straight through. Mm. It was really odd. I didn't feel anything, though. Yeah. Normally, you're supposed to like feel something, I think, but uh, not in this case. So after this, we went on a general tour again together and we got to investigate different rooms and there was the odd creak and bump, but nothing much actually happened after that big. Um, we finally returned to the first bedroom to do a closing seance and once again, Hazel placed the torch on a balance on a set of drawers. There was mum, me in the middle and Hazel on my other side because I was well and truly freaked out. We weren't getting a response and Hazel asked if I might want to ask if he's here and the torch shone up brightly when I did. Um, I asked where it was and the torch went off. It was then I heard, and I'm, I shit you not, Oliver, I know you're, you're thinking, yeah, I, I'm acting as if I believe it, but Hazel was here, Mum was here, and I just heard heavy breathing on my right-hand side, and I looked towards Hazel, and she looked at me, and before I could even ask, like, who's doing that, something blew on the back of my neck. I shit you not, it was like a... Like a really sharp blow to the back of the neck. My ass left that bed quicker than you have ever seen anything move. I was absolutely terrified. And I screamed. I started crying. I was such a baby about it. I, w I would like to pretend I was hard. And I was like, yeah, you don't scare me. But I was I was shitting myself. Hazel gave me a hug and she didn't let go of me for the rest of the seance. Because I was so scared. Um, Hazel actually asked me, Liv and Mum, if we wanted to sleep over in the house that night. Because... They, are, they offer an option of a sleepover, but I firmly declined, even though Liv was massively up for it. Um, I was I was gone by that point. I couldn't have stayed there overnight. So altogether, I don't know if 30 East Drive is haunted, but I know that my personal experience was real. Some things you can chalk up to the power of suggestion and me being freaked out, but there's some things you just, you just can't explain. The, the, key, the key word is there's some things that you can't explain because it happened to you. Like, I could sit here till I'm blue in the face and tell you how that the, the it could have been a draft that come through, but you're going to be like, no, you didn't feel it. And you're right, because I didn't feel it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that, yeah, but that's I'd, what all I know there's a draft. The thing, I could explain not a draft coming through because we were facing the wall. But I, I found, and this isn't me debunking you, this is my own opinion. When I did the ghost investigation at uh, Newsham Hall, I think it's Newsham called. Newsham Hall, yeah. You, you are manifesting that you want something to happen. It's like your senses are heightened, especially when they turn the lights off and you're in pitch black. And you feel like you can hear a fucking raindrop a mile away because you're so ready for something to happen. Like, you're a lot more focused about it. Like, the ones that scare me more are when you're just at home chilling and you see something, like, in your peripheral vision. That's that. They're the ones that get me more because you're not... You, you're not actively looking for something paranormal, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I can, you, and I can chalk up the whole. Okay, when I was going in, I felt a sense of dread. Anyway, the table tipping, I, it could have been this power of suggestion. The glass could have definitely been power of suggestion. But the one thing that I do 
feel like I can't personally explain away is the blow to the back of the neck because it just and the thing is I was wearing a hood so it was like hooded parka mm. so I lifted my hood as well when I did it and I was just crying it was awful so I reached out to Haunted Happenings a couple of days ago and I asked if we I could mention their name and the business and you know what happened and things like that and they also let me ask a couple of questions so the question that I asked was what is the most terrifying experience that they've had at 30 East Drive in particular and the person and I, I didn't ask the name and I feel really rude for not asking the name but this person and Hazel were both at 30 East Drive it was still reasonably light outside so everybody could see everything yeah and Hazel was holding a K2 monitor in her hand. I don't know what a K2 monitor is, but she was holding one in her hand. And the K2 monitor, it was like something had thrown it. So it literally, it, it was taken out of Hazel's hand and launched and hit the person in the head, the other person there. Mm. And there were there was a group of people there as well and they saw it happen. And it wasn't like they saw that she didn't throw it. It was literally lifted and thrown. And they said that was the creepiest thing that they've ever sort of scene what was the other the question you asked them I didn't ask them another question because oh, I felt right. rude because I'd already bothered them enough <laughs> well you're a paying customer once and it's I'd free, love to go and free publicity to about eight listeners very true hey we've got more than eight listeners we know this but I just wanted to say before like we, we stopped the whole thing just a quick thank you to Haunted Happenings this is not an ad they haven't paid me for this but if you were going to go with a tour group I would highly recommend Haunted Happenings as your platform for doing so they were really professional and reputable but they put you at ease as well and a massive special thanks to Hazel for being kind and lovely and the person who answered my message to begin with to say that I could did I go with the same it. company you did? I don't think so because the one I went with... They do, I think they do Newsham Hospital, but I don't think... It's, it was just like a website, and it was like you could browse and pick a certain location, and like it would tell you the dates. I think they do Haunted... I think Haunted Happenings do Newsham. I don't, I don't think it was the same company. It's weird, though, because when, like, when you're on about a house, I, like how long did it last? What, the, going the into experience, it? experience, yeah. Um, we went in, I can't remember if it was nine or ten... And it finished at about one or two in the morning. See, I think ours was roughly the same time scale, but like, say if our house was haunted and it was like an attraction, it'd take you like an hour, wouldn't it? Just to go in each room and. We did different things though. We and we got to see different things, and Hazel gave us like a really decent history of the house and explained what was mm. going on. And we spent a lot of time wandering around and sort of testing different see, things. When I went to Newsham, I think. There was less explanation because there was a lot more to explore. Like the building was fucking massive, and there were a lot of people, a lot more people in there as well. Yeah, there was that suffered. Yeah, yeah. Was... Whereas this is just one. Well, we presume one person, but you know. I think I might. I think I might take your idea, and I'll do Newsham Hall and my experience there. Uh, next week. Yeah. For my. I would love to do it again. I'd, I'd like to do another one. The, mm. the, there was this woman where I went and she'd been, it was like a sixth time going. What, um, just to Newsham? Just to that specific one. And when I think someone at the group asked her and was like, why why do you keep coming back here? She thought, oh, I had a connection like the first time I came and I've been trying to get the same thing. And that makes me think like, she's not going to spend like... So much money I think and it, time. I think and... the price was like maybe 50, 60 quid. Yeah, that was around the same as... So she's spent coming up to 300 quid and so it must. She must have felt something to want to keep going back to that place. And yeah, I don't. She must I don't. Have. I don't think she was local either. I think it was a bit. Obviously, it wasn't local for me. 
But yeah, I, I don't think it was local. But I, I, even since then, I still don't know that much about the building. I, I just knew, it, I think it was something about an asylum or then it was an orphanage. or so there was, I think it changed several times. It was a hospital at one point, I think. Yeah, I mean, we need to, at some point, review when the lights went out because it's a cracking film mm. and it is based on the Pritchard story. I've been watching some videos today about things that are based on, though. No, it is pretty... Oh, no, I'm not saying that from in particular. Oh, yeah, and it's like, if they use the same name, they can say it was based on that. The Conjuring, yeah. They, oh, they, yeah, the they Conjuring They got was... sued bill- over a billion, billion dollars, didn't they? But yeah. I think the way they got out of it was th- because th- there was an author of the book who owned the copyrights to Lorraine and Ed Warren. Mm. But that's the right name, isn't it? Yeah, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, like, he wrote a book and it included them in it, and he owned the copyrights. But because, I think... Uh, is it Warner Brothers? That did, no. Yeah. Is it yeah, Warner, Warner Brothers? Brothers Conjuring? Did that. Because I think I think it is, but be, because yeah. of how, the, the the way they got out of the lawsuit was by saying we was we was telling a story based on like it one we took someone's idea and made it into our own, but where do you know what I mean? They, they just told a story mm. essentially, and but. Yeah, I was I was struck to find out that you're allowed to say this was a true story in a fictional film and not not have any repercussions. Oh for yeah, it. like Blair Witch did it. That that's all bullshit. It's not true. Well, yeah, because they they actually in the Blair Witch Project, I believe the actors had to go missing. Like they couldn't. People believed it was real, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, but it's yeah, it's all bullshit. This is, they said you're better off just completely making up a story than going half-assed with one and taking something that's that was true and then like twisting it your own way because that's how you end up getting copyrighted. And yeah, shit. because people are like, well, yeah, but that bit was my story. I feel like we should, when COVID's over, in the very, very distant future, yeah. um, I feel like we should go on a ghost hunt, like a paranormal hunt together and then we can do a one-off episode on it. Yeah. I feel like that'd be pretty cool. I'd be down for that. Yeah. We could we could live verbal record as we go along some clips as well that we could put in. Yeah, we could do. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Anyway. Nice. Nice. Nice nice little story. Obviously it hits a bit close say it hits close to home like it affects me. Yeah, and it's in, you've experienced it yourself, I And think, it's in so. Pontefract as well. Like you even big cases like Enfield and things like that, they they're still in London, so they still seem quite far away, but Pontefract's down the road. It's not down the road, I don't but know it's where like it is. it's near Leeds. Oh, right. It's about 40, 50 minutes away. Yeah, I didn't even know about the house. But there's, there's thousands that are haunted, aren't there? You can, you can find that yeah. on that website when I was looking. We need one. to go to the ancient Ram Inn. That's supposed to be terrifying. But that's quite a drive. We'll sort some of that out, definitely. Yeah, definitely. But we hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>